So welcome to part two of your current year vibration. So if we cast our minds back, we had a bit of a look at how do you know what is influencing yourself for the current year? And we were talking about how if you can get your uh, behavior, your actions, your decisions in line with the numeric vibration of the year, things are more likely to go smoothly. So if we just do a little bit of a rehash, we add our day of birth to our month of birth and then to the current year. So if you want a recap of that, try the last episode, have a bit of a listen. The second thing we're going to have a bit of a look at, because today we're doing the current year vibration from six until nine, because life runs in nine year cycles. And I'm hoping at the end of it, we'll have a little bit of time because I had a special request this week to talk about things that go bump in the night. I'm Anne-Marie, the Soulful Therapist. There are natural, gentle ways to heal, discover yourself and find meaning in the world. Let me introduce you to them. I'm a psychotherapist, past life therapist, clinical hypnotherapist, master knitter, Reiki master, teacher, author and seer. I specialise in trauma, helping young people and spiritual development. Shall we begin? We've covered your current year vibration from one to five in the last episode. So we recommence now looking at the current year vibration is six. So those whose year this is will throughout its length be subject to an overwhelming desire to love and be loved. So these individuals must ensure that they get their priorities right, endeavoring to develop lasting relationships this year, concentrating in particular on forging friendships that are unconditional in their nature. The emphasis this year will be upon loving others in the purest sense of the word, possibly by undertaking some form of selfless service or by caring for those less fortunate than self. The influence of the sixth year will serve to increase awareness of the necessity to maintain harmony on all fronts. This could be home, work or within relationships of all kinds. Artistic abilities also require an outlet this year, and this should be given a high priority. So this could take the form of introducing a new harmonious colour scheme into the home environment, or creating a restful garden, as well as traditional art. So this will provide to be invaluable when subject to the influence of the seven year which will follow. So this is not a year, this sixth year, for embarking upon light-hearted participation in illusionary relationships. These individuals should exercise great caution when committing themselves to any course of action, no matter what its nature, for others may have long-term expectations of them. Any commitment or undertaking which has now run its course should be brought to a point of conclusion during the passage of the year. So above all, this is a year in which to make long-term plans and be prepared to make whatever adjustments are necessary to affect the long-term harmony in all aspects of life. So Venus is the ruler of this sixth year, and it provides the opportunity to reflect the higher self through a loving disposition. So the virtues, loyalty, 
sympathy, responsible, sociable, benevolent, loving and harmonious. And the pitfalls, argumentative, interfering, anxiety, irresponsibility in close relationships, jealousy and the poor me syndrome. So as you can see, um, there is a law in esoteric philosophy called the law of paradox. So this is where we choose. Do we choose to exercise the virtues um, to keep to that high road or do we fall into some of the pitfalls? And we're all human. Um, we're going to find we get it wrong some of the time. Uh, we're not perfect. Um, but as long as we can pick ourselves up and go, oh, whoops, let's try again. Um, and it's sometimes a difficult thing to do. But we try again. We keep trying to display those virtues. So the number six, overall, it's really about loving and if we get that right, we often end up with responsibility. So loving and responsibility is that number six vibration. Let's look at our seven. The seven year will prove to be a year of great sensitivity, one where those who are subject to its vibrations may well desire to withdraw from the hustle and bustle of life. If so inclined, they should take a long, hard look at themselves, their current activities and ambition before taking action. A year in which to bring all thought output under the control of the higher self, watchful of those moments of an illusionary nature. Development of the mind is a very definite possibility this year, coupled with in-depth studies of the unknown and contact with higher levels of consciousness. It's the perfect time to commence the practice of meditation, for instilling the mind, they come to know their higher self. This will entail disciplining the lower will. So we have a higher will and we have a lower will. And withdrawing from those ego-driven activities, which could serve to obstruct such course of action. Throughout this year, this seven year, these individuals should endeavor to rest, taking time out to re-energize their physical form, for the eight year which follows may prove to be a demanding year. Ideals, goals and aspirations conceived during an earlier part of this cycle, the nine year cycle, may well come to fruition now, provided they have learned to develop and utilize their mediumistic abilities. Changes in the air. And the individuals may be inclined to initiate it. However, they should try to avoid acting on impulse and allow changes to be effected by others. Let the change come to you. Where change proves necessary, it'd be wise to delay this until the later months of the year when the energy of the incoming eight year will precipitate action. So Neptune, Neptune is the ruler here. Seven provides the stimulus to communicate with the non-physical dimensions. The virtues, psychic ability, religious outlook, introspection, perfectionism, and modesty. The pitfalls, hypersensitivity, being over-emotional, moody, inferiority complex, melancholia, being critical, and delusionary. So number seven, the summary, the two words that best represent this number seven year are sensitivity and seership. Seership is actually a very interesting word. It is different to psychic, and we're going to look at that in a later episode. So your current year vibration, if it's eight, let's have a look at that. 
the restrictive influence of Saturn will test the mettle of those experiencing an eight year. Yet overall, it may prove to be an extremely successful year. Saturn, the initiator, governs this vibration, and those who learn to accept the many tests placed upon their path this year will discover that Saturn is also the great rewarder. The dreams and aspirations which they pondered upon during the seven year should now be put into operation. The mediumistic ability developed during the preceding year may well provide them with positive insights into the future. Saturn has influence over money matters and these should prosper this year with those in business pulling off the unexpected. This is the time to bring to the attention of the general public that which they have striven to perfect during this cycle of experience, provided that this is backed by an efficient organisation and geared to public demand, they could well reap a bountiful harvest. Although there may be an overwhelming desire to spread their wings this year, they should bear in mind the needs of those less fortunate and seek to assist those who are not so well organised. However, nothing happens by chance. This will well prove to be a year for a deal of hard work. They will need to pay careful attention to detail and to utilise their energies in an efficient manner. It's also the most fortunate time to seek out those in authority and to convince them of one's ability and potential. Despite the continual restraint they will experience this year, these individuals should hang on to their ideals and strive to attain their personal goals. Saturn is the ruler, and eight represents the restrictive situations and the opposition which is so very necessary for all would-be initiates. People grow through discomfort, and this is why it's identified as necessary. The virtues are ambition, practicality, analytical mind, impersonal judgment, a business-like manner, and self-controlled. The pitfalls we need to watch out for, intolerance, impatience, ruthless in opposition, pride, fear, tyrannical, weak-willed, miserly and resentful. So let's summarise this number eight year. Business acumen, and if we get that right, we're rewarded with success. And finally, we come to our final year in the nine-year cycle, which is, of course, a nine. So the planet Mars will influence everything that transpires this year. So be prepared for all manner of intense activity. Mars will also have an effect upon the emotional nature and outworn attachments or relationships will be cast aside this year. Nonetheless, nonetheless, be prepared for the brief rekindling of an old love affair. This is the year to bring one's house in order, for it will prove impossible to carry forward anything relating to the current cycle into the one which follows, so the new nine-year cycle will commence next year, so things will end. Emphasis should be placed upon bringing into being original ideas or completing those tasks commenced earlier during this cycle. So think back, what did you begin nine years ago? What is coming to a natural completion? All should bear in mind the creative power of thought, for whatever we create within our minds must one day manifest into the world of matter. So it's better that this transpires whilst we are still aware of its origin and attuned to its energy. No new plans should be laid or undertakings entered into this year, 
or they will be lost to view within the rash of new ideas that will be triggered by the incoming cycle. And these incoming cycles can begin as early as November on the previous year, but generally you can start to feel them come December. Any undertaking which proved fruitless should now be discarded and the mind cleared of all aspirations that are foolish. Time now to build upon that which proved to be constructive and successful. This will also be a year in which to tend to the needs of others, ensuring that this is undertaken in a loving and caring manner. As many demands will be made upon them this year, these individuals should not expend their energy unwisely. So let's have a look. What is the ruler for this nine year? Mars. Nine stimulates the realisation that selfless service to humanity is vital in order to evolve, both as individuals and as a collective. The virtues are a desire to serve others, compassion and philanthropy, and the pitfalls. What are the things we need to watch out for? Selfishness, aggression, self-focus and being temperamental. So the two words that best sum up this current year vibration of nine are benevolence and service. Amid the whirling forces I stand confused. I know them not, for during all my past they swept me up and down the land therein I moved, blinded and unaware. From place to place and point to point they drove me up and down the land and nowhere was their rest. I know them now, and here I stand, and will not move until I know the law which governs all this movement up and down the land. I may revolve, and turning face the many ways, I face some wide horizons, and yet today I stand. I will determine for myself the way to go. The onward I will move. I will not travel up and down the land, nor turn in space, but onward I will move. Alice Bailey. So what I love about this particular quote is the world influences us all the time, and it can be incredibly overwhelming, but we have a choice as to whether to allow ourselves to be overwhelmed or whether to stand and decide to understand where we're at the things that are influencing us, and then how to act and react. And of course, numerology is just one of those ways to interpret what's actually going on and to guide us in the right way forward. I meet some amazing people. Uh, I really do live a blessed life like that. I've had some beautiful people that I've met this week. I've actually had a very special request from um, a really nice bloke uh, with a little brother who is having weird dreams, things that go bump in the night. Now, of course, if you are Anglo-Australian or European, then, of course, the way we construct our culture is very much around a scientific mindset. So if we can't see it, feel it, smell it, um, hear it, then it actually doesn't exist. If science can't measure it, it doesn't exist. And so that provides uh, white Westerners a certain amount of uh, protection from 
odd and weird and crazy things that can actually exist and happen in the world. Because that mindset, we don't acknowledge it, we don't see it, we don't actually perceive it, so it's okay. Uh, That's until, of course, everybody gets around a campfire and then we find out how many ghost people have been exposed to. (laughs) Everybody goes to bed very, very scared, (laughs) pulling the covers up around their ears. Um, If you belong to different cultures however you have a different way of relating to the world and knowing and feeling and perceiving what's actually true so i had a beautiful uh aboriginal client come to me this week and of course the way that um aboriginal people particularly see and perceive the world is different to that it's an open engagement with the environment with ancestors uh, and with some of the things that Uh, white Westerners would call ghosts or beings or all that sort of stuff. So some people have got this idea of um, communicating with beings we can't see. That's a normal part of their everyday reality. They walk it, they see it, they feel it. Uh, And of course, for the white Westerners, that's not a regular everyday occurrence. So when it does happen, it can be quite frightening and scary. And of course, sometimes we wonder, are we actually going a little bit crazy? So this lovely bloke with the little brother, Um, said, I don't know what's happening. Mum's really worried. Um, My little brother, who's 11, he says that things are actually pulling on his feet in the middle of the night. So, of course, as a white Westerner, we would assess it one way. And, of course, if we were Aboriginal, we would actually assess it quite a different way. But I'm just going to walk you through uh, what I do, for example, if I have a client who talks to me about these sorts of things. So, first of all, we go, okay, We have an issue here. How do we know it's an issue? Because first of all, little brother's sleep's getting disrupted. Um, Mum's sleep's getting disrupted. Everybody's going a little bit crazy. So when we get to the point of going, okay, whatever whatever is going on is actually interfering with daily functioning, with our ability to get on in the world, then yes, it's actually worthwhile looking into and deciding to do something about it. So then we go, okay, what is actually happening. And this is where it can be quite an interesting assessment. Whenever we look at a problem, we can say, right, where is the cause? We have someone who's 11. Okay, so what do we know about 11-year-olds? Well, first of all, we know that they don't have a fully adult mind to bring to the issue. So that's one thing. Um, The other thing we know is that they're in that pre- hormonal um, teenage years. So there's a whole biochemistry that actually goes with that as well. And we've got developmental stages. So as people grow through life, you know, we all know about the terrible twos. Uh, To my mind, of course, the terrible threes are much worse than the terrible twos. But you know that as people grow, they go through certain developmental stages. Uh, And this preteen up to 12 is an interesting time. The body changes. So we go, okay, what are we experiencing here? We've got a child who's experiencing disrupted sleep and this sensation of being their feet being pulled. So is that coming from the physical? And then what I do is I say, okay, who knows something about that? 
because I'm not going to give an opinion to somebody that is outside of my expertise. It's unprofessional, it's irresponsible, and you could be actually blocking someone from getting the help that they need. So if somebody is having some weird uh, physical type sensations, then your first point of call is actually to recommend they go see their doctor because doctors have a whole heap of ways of assessing things. They can refer people uh, on towards specialists. And certainly if there's any sort of physical aspect to things, then it's always a good idea just to get a medical checkup. So it could be physical. It could be emotional. And so if you have uh, someone who's having these sorts of experiences, then one of your questions would be, and what else is happening? So if you find that someone is, for example, this may, I don't know anything about this child at all, but maybe they're being bullied at school. Maybe there's a whole heap of other stuff going on in the background that's actually feeding into some anxiety that's coming out in um these nighttime experiences, these weird dreams. So we we find out, okay, what is happening emotionally? What is happening mentally? And an important part of that is not only what's happening in the environment, but how do they feel about it? So if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you'll know that I'm absolutely invested in meanings. What is the meaning? What is the sense that people are actually making of this particular experience? What are they saying to themselves in their head? What does it mean to them? Now, for me, of course, I've been doing some of these things for a long time. So, of course, I've got a whole catalogue of uh, different sorts of symptoms that actually go together. And this is an important thing to remember as well, is that sometimes you have one thing and on its own, it means nothing. But if you've got that thing plus another thing plus another thing plus another thing, you're starting to look at a cluster and that cluster may be indicative of something else that's going on. Something also to consider, I don't know if anybody has noticed this, but the children being born these days, man, they're a special little bunch. I'm just so excited about the future. Um, of course, I've got my own little mate who's who's pretty amazing. And I just look at all these young ones and they are sensitive. They are insightful. Sometimes they're like a barrel of monkeys, but that's just kids, I think. Um, but there's something very, very special in that oftentimes they will be much more perceptive uh, of small things than adults are. So that's something else to add into this. What is it that this child's actually perceiving? Is it something specific to his generation? What are they noticing? What are they seeing? What are they feeling? And what sense do they make of it? So there we go. We look at the physical, the emotional, the mental. We investigate and look into the social aspects of things. Uh, if, for example, you have a child that has experienced trauma, uh, if there has been some abuse, and if this is an unexpected or a new behaviour or something that started suddenly, you want to ask, okay, what is it that's happened at about this time? And then that gives you a bit of a way forward. Now, of course, this assessment process I do as a part of being a therapist, and I don't sort of recommend you guys to go off and play armchair therapist, but you can be a great friend and just ask a couple of questions 
um, that get people thinking or you can have a conversation with mum because uh, you don't want to, of course, play therapist to somebody's child. That's inappropriate. Um, But you can ask a couple of questions that get people thinking or nudge them in the right direction towards their doctor or, or someone else. Now, all of that assessment, of course, I've done without actually considering cultural dimensions. Okay, so if, for example, this child was Aboriginal, um, and that's actually not the case, but we're just going to play a bit of an imagination game. Um, If this child was actually Aboriginal, we would go, okay, we need to sit really, really quietly and really, really peacefully and see what is appropriate if usually it would be a a family that would be seeking help uh, for a child and just sit really, really quietly and see what it is that this family would like to share about their culture because some things are deeply, deeply sacred and so they're not going to share with an outsider. And so it is a matter of sitting with respect to see whether they want to share with you something that actually may be deeply significant to the experience. Remembering too that people who are strong in their culture have their own healers, have their own, um, you know, a term you could use as shamans, uh, medicine people. Um, And so most of these sorts of issues will actually get taken to uh, traditional healers, uh, traditional people. Uh, Sometimes, however, they will come to uh, somebody who's outside and we need to treat those um, opportunities Uh, with the deepest of respect to connect, to support, and also as an opportunity for learning. So it's important we don't impose our own monocultural approach. We really do listen about what support is needed, what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. Things can be incredibly different just with the communication styles, how long the silences are, whether we speak, whether we stay quiet, Um, particularly the Central Australian people, there are some very um, strict rules in and around um, status and spiritual development and what information is sacred to which level. Things aren't shared just automatically because somebody's nosy. And frankly, uh, white Westerners, we are pretty nosy. So there you go. So if it was an Aboriginal child, you would be listening for, okay, what is the meaning and the sense that they put in and around this? And um, in all likelihood, it might be that they will say, hey, um, this is um, a, a spirit. It might be, you know, an ancestor. It could be a dreamtime spirit. It could be uh, a malign, you know, a, a, in a sense, a negative um, spirit that's actually influencing this particular situation. Now, of course, I do Reiki and I learned that in the desert. Uh, Most of that, of course, I did with uh, white people, but it is a beautiful tool and it can be a great tool for actually dealing with these particular issues as long as the right permissions are sought and that you work towards doing no harm at all. So, yeah. Sometimes we do have white children, uh, white Anglo children who will report some of the same things. Most of the clients that come to see me are smart, sensitive, and they have weird experiences. And so oftentimes they will wake between midnight and four. And my way of explaining it is it's, it's like an attack. It's waking up in fear. 
So in a sense, it's a psychic attack. And so what remedies can we have? And the remedies I learned in Central Australia, then there's a, a few of them and they work quite well if you light a candle peace love and abundance to all so the idea is like attracts like so having uh, lit a candle for peace love and abundance it attracts that energy and of course you can't have higher energy and lower energy in the same room it's a bit like saying hey the sonic ring cleaner um, you know, at the jeweler's store, you've got a, a dirty ring, you drop it in there, the vibration goes, zzz, and of course, then you've got yourself a clean ring. So that's the premise upon which that particular uh, strategy actually works. Now, I don't expect you to, you know, accept my uh, judgment for your own. Um, I love people with inquiring minds who do little experiments and to try things out. That particular uh, strategy with the candle, uh, I've done many, many times, and it has resulted in uh, me and my children all having a better night's sleep. Now, do be really, really careful with um, uh, open flames and fires. Uh, we do prefer votives. We don't want anybody burning the house down. So again, it's something that you need to be really, really careful about. But that's just one of the strategies. It's a beautiful one. Um, and you might like to put that one in place for you and your family. So as you probably know, I have been so, so busy. Um, the new clinic is coming together. Uh, we've got some lovely new workshops for you. And so what we're going to do with the podcast is we are going to take a little short break. And then we're going to come back with wonderful new topics. We'll have a bit more of a look at hypnotherapy, past life regression, energy work. And once again, if you've got questions, uh, please bring me your questions. It's an opportunity for everybody to learn. And I think that's what it's all about, isn't it? If we're all forgiving, kind, and we learn as best we can along the way, the world's going to be a better place. So I will see you next season. <laughs>